Hello, and welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alert's podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Megan Liz Smith, and joining me as always is Annika Marilise. Hey, Megan. Our topic for this week is co-working. There's been a trend of co-working spaces for feminine audiences, or co-working spaces that provide services like childcare or maternity programs for women making that transition back to work. So we thought we'd take a look at that trend. I guess let's get to it. But first up, we'll tell you about some of the week's top entrepreneurship headlines. Then I'll talk to Amanda Quick, founder of The Hatchery, a co-working space in Columbia. She spoke about The Hatchery's childcare and maternity programs and what co-working is doing for female entrepreneurs. After that, we'll take a look at some important numbers and entrepreneurship news. Well, let's get started. So without further ado, let's take a look at the week's startup headlines. A new brewery opened in Springfield on Saturday. It's called Great Escape Beer Works, and it's the first tenant of Quarrytown, a new development in Springfield. Look out for the article about them in the Springfield Newsleader. Ooh. So next up, an Australian-based fintech firm called Saver is going to open its new U.S. headquarters in Kansas City, according to Startland News. Saver founder Tim O'Shea said the company was offered a space in San Francisco, but they preferred the culture and opportunities available to them in Kansas City. So that's pretty cool. More Kansas City news. A KC-based startup has raised $8 million in a Series A funding round. The company Backlot Cars makes software designed to help car dealers buy automobiles wholesale. Hmm. And finally... The St. Louis Fund at 630 has added Allianz Life Ventures as a strategic partner. Allianz Life Ventures is part of Allianz, a life insurance company based in Germany. Now, let's go to the interviews. In July of 2017, Amanda Quick opened a co-working space called The Hatchery in Columbia. Quick wanted to help other parents who were struggling with balancing work and home. While she's made adjustments along the way, the Hatchery's childcare program has been an important piece of the business from the beginning. I spoke with Quick in a conference room at the Hatchery about how she started the business and what co-working means for female entrepreneurs. So could you tell me about the childcare program and, and did you have that here from the beginning? So that actually was the main thing, like the main thing that one separated us and that we started off of was um, gearing towards women that worked at home with kids. Um, about three months in, we realized that wasn't going to be our exact target market, and so we did kind of rotate. But now we can hold about four to five kids each morning. And what about the maternity program that you have here? The thought behind it was, and which one mom did take advantage of it, is to have those that are going back to work and they need to just figure out, like, how to get out the door on time Mm -hmm. in clean clothes (laughs) um, and, like, with everything. And then if the company offered, you know, six weeks but they wanted eight, then maybe they could work a couple weeks from here part-time and work remotely. So where they're maybe not taking as much time off if it's not paid, which, you know, usually it's not or just to get some more time, and if the company has the flexibility to be able to do that, then there can be more of that transitional period, especially if, you know, the child has some kind of special needs, or if they're nursing, or any, it's a first-time kid, it's, it's really scary. I know when I was, had our, had our daughter, I, I'm very much an extrovert, and so being at home by myself was not good. So even just having an outlet to be able to, like, talk to somebody, and be like, this is, this is an interesting day, Mm -hmm. yeah. 
And what is your background? What were what were you doing before you opened the hatchery? Uh, right out of college, I went into real estate, and I did that for quite a few years. And then I job hopped for about five years. It okay. seemed like like every <laughs> year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've helped with a construction company. I've helped with an like as a leasing agent for apartment complex. I've worked in a doctor's office. I've done direct sales. Um, I think I'm forgetting one, but yeah, I quote unquote stayed at home for about three months. That was my shortest, um, (laughs) shortest job because not my thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so at the hatchery are a lot of your clients women. Do you find a lot of female entrepreneurs taking advantage of the co-working space? Yeah, we're about 90% women. Um, Yeah. And so I would say, yeah, I would say that's about um, accurate. Whenever we launched we were very much heavily towards like women who worked at home with kids and so we got a lot of people being like I'd come if I had a kid I'm like no you still can yeah we're like well I'd come but I'm a guy I'm like oh no no you still can so we've (laughs) we've pivoted like some of our marketing and stuff like that and so so in your work you're surrounded by a lot of entrepreneurs particularly female entrepreneurs what are the challenges that people are facing right now in in the Missouri uh, entrepreneurial community I think the self-confidence is a big thing and then just knowing, kind of just, yeah, trusting yourself on knowing what to do yeah, and having enough time to do it all and be, you know, have the self-care. And if you're a parent, having that quality time and if you're a spouse, being that and also running a business and just trying to do it all without, at a sustainable level. And would you mind sharing, do you know about how many people are, are regularly using the hatchery? Yeah, so we we kind of teeter around between sponsors and members. We have about forty, okay. um, and I would say on an average day we have probably anywhere from like five to nine that are actually like in the space and working. And I would say somebody most people stay between an average of four to five hours. And that's like while we would love to have everybody here all day long, mm-hmm. we also like the spaces so that you can come and knock out your to-do list and not kind of like dilly-dally at home or like at a coffee shop or wherever to not be as productive but to come in and like work solid for four hours and be done. You can't have somebody working 60, 70, 80 hours a week for years and years, mm-hmm. especially like if they have a family. I mean, that's right. not really good for anybody. And I should have looked this up before I came over here, but do you know, like, when this whole co-working thing started? Like, when did co-working begin? <laughs> I don't. I want to, like, it's over 10 years. I mean, like, okay. we're not doing anything new. And a lot of them just started out as, like, very much bro-like, <laughs> um, which, like, it worked. Oh, interesting. So so do you think that when co-working started, it was, it was a pretty male-dominated environment? Yeah, and I think that's why it's so like, oh my gosh, these women are having this own their own space. I mean, I think it gives them the ability to potentially start something on their own with not as much overhead. Somebody could come in here as a brand new business, and the max they would pay, like if they had a dedicated desk, is $300 a month. Okay. So if you're looking at like, if that's your biggest expense, especially if, you can, if you're doing like marketing or something like that that's right. digital, you really have like your laptop your space and like your big girl pants to like (laughs) make it happen. So do you think co-working is maybe providing an alternative to some of the challenges women have faced in traditional work environments? Um, I think it's more of 
having the support system and maybe we're finally realizing that like collaboration is better than competition and um, really being okay with asking for help and going somewhere where they feel heard and where they feel it's needed. Um, I never envisioned this as females only because one, I was raised by my dad, so I never really felt that. Right. Um, but I think it's just to be able to relate to another woman on so many different levels. Okay, well, is there anything else that I should know about co-working or, or about uh, women in entrepreneurship? Yeah, I mean, with the co-working... Not really. I think like women in entrepreneurship, it's like just for women to know that like it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to say like, I don't know. And it's also okay to go on on themselves. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's what the struggle is that we have, like usually like in our own heads. And if you want to do it, do it. If you don't, it's okay too. Yeah. Like I don't think entrepreneurship is for everybody. I mean, it's, it's not pretty all the time and so some people I'm like no really look at like look at what this is like these are the things that we go through and that I personally go through if you're up for that go for it and you may not have some of I don't want to say obstacles but you may not go through some of the things other people do but there could be sleepless nights there could be tears there could be like feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders and if you don't want to do that right now while entrepreneurship is cool and it's hip and it's trendy, it's really not for everyone, and that's that's absolutely okay. Like, totally. keep your side hustle your side hustle. Like, it's, it's not always needed. But yeah. if it is, like, go, on, go all in on yourself and, and see what happens. But yeah, I think true. in the day of, like, the, of the hustle and of, like, entrepreneurship and, like, own your own yeah. business, you can make so much money, like – it's there's so much that's not realistic and yeah. not true about that and that's one thing that I've been very passionate to be very open about mm-hmm. I think our Facebook live that we did on Friday I was like yep I cried in the car the other day and my daughter's <laughs> like why are you crying I'm like I'm just really overwhelmed and this is the only way it's coming out but like we have to show the real side because no, totally. I like I take it personally if I try to share as much as possible about like the realness and the behind the scenes and the good the bad the ugly because it's just not fair for somebody to not know that there are going to be struggles and while there are going to be struggles here's what other people did or here's like who you can talk to or here's some different ideas And now it's time to look at some important numbers in this week's co-working news. It's can I get your co-working digits? So, Annika, can I get your digits? Of course, Megan. My number for this week is 2009. That's the year that Ace Hotel opened in New York, pushing forward a phenomenon of hotel lobbies being used as co-working spaces. And Ace is not the only one doing this. Hotels across the world are joining in on the trend. According to the New York Times, Sheraton Hotels will revamp 450 hotels to include what the company is calling a productivity table that will include USB ports, outlets, and and drawers that people can rent, and and they'll have meeting rooms as well. And in addition, in 2013, Marriott started developing a hotel brand called Moxie, which is known for its emphasis on common spaces. So it's kind of this big trend that's happening across a lot of different companies. Some of them are outright referring to it as co-working spaces. Some of them are just calling them, you know... Uh, optimized common spaces <laughs> or things kind of along those lines, but it's an interesting trend. It's yeah, a, it's they're all one more venue for this. Well, Megan, can I get your digits? Of course. My number for this week is 450,000. 
That's how many square feet of office space is currently occupied by co-working sites in the city of St. Louis. While co-working spaces only account for about 2% of overall office space in St. Louis, that number is growing rapidly, both here in Missouri and all across the U.S. To end the episode, we have an entrepreneurship quote from Saver founder Tim O'Shea. Here's what he said. As an entrepreneur, if you can find yourself lucky enough to be in a community like we are here in KC, where we're able to surround ourselves with people who are ambitious and entrepreneurial and positive and want to see you succeed, that can often be one of the biggest determining factors for us to be able to grow. Awesome. Well, this has been the 2018 season of Speaking Startup. We'll be back with more episodes after the winter break. And in the meantime, you can keep up with entrepreneurship news on MissouriBusinessAlert.com. Now I'm going to let Annika sign us off. Well, before we go, I'm sad to say that this has been my last episode of Speaking Startup. It's been a pleasure delving into the exciting world of Missouri startups and, and talking to the dynamic and smart people who lead them. A million thanks to our editor, Michael Stacy, who took a chance and encouraged me to co-host this podcast. And a million thanks to Megan for teaching me literally every step of the process. And of course, thank you all for listening. This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Megan Liz Smith and me, Annika Merrilies. Our theme music was produced by Poddington Bear. The episode was recorded in the KBIA studios. We'll speak to you next year.